the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, You're plugged right in here to AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, Let me introduce our engineer. His name is Pete Paquette. He gets us on the air uh, uh, very efficiently. Andrew Herdliska produces the show. And I want to introduce you to Jessica Peck in Houston, Texas. Pediatric nurse practitioner for nearly 20 years. We're going to talk about our book. Behind Closed Doors, A Guide to Help Parents and Teens Navigate Through Life's Toughest Issues. Jessica, welcome to Orlando. How are you? Thank you so much, Pat, for having me. I so appreciate being able to visit with your listeners. Uh, uh, Tell me about this book and why you wrote it and why it's important. Sure. Well, I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner, as you said, a professor at Baylor, and a mom of four teens. Yes, at one time, my kids are 19, 17, 15, and 13. And so for me as a professor, I'm very alarmed about the research emerging on the current status of mental and physical health in teens today. I see a deeply anxious and depressed generation of teens disconnected and from people that are supportive in their life and who want to help but aren't sure how to do that. As a pediatric nurse practitioner, I know firsthand from an up-close and personal seat that life just isn't perfect. I meet families behind closed doors at points of crisis in a place they really never imagined they'd be. And as a parent, I see my own kids at home struggling, and I know that pain and heartbreak of wanting so badly to be a good parent but just feeling like you're failing miserable, miserably. So for me as a full professor with academic freedom at a faith-based university and being a mom in the trenches, that really led me to realize I had the knowledge and skill set and experience to engage, equip, encourage, and empower parents. And that led to the birth of DrNurseMama.com and the book Behind Closed Doors. I really want to see happy parents and healthy teens. Uh, Jessica, let's start with... Uh... The first of these uh, many interesting topics, number one, mental health, how to break free from stigma and silence. Tell us more. Sure. So the American Academy of Pediatrics has declared a mental health crisis among teens. And I have to tell you, sitting in my backyard in March of 2020, along with everyone else, I could see this storm on the horizon. So I've been working on this since that time. We're seeing skyrocketing uh, numbers of anxiety, depression, and other mental health conditions. 
um, part of that is just a kind of perfect cultural storm uh, of external threats that we just didn't face as parents. We didn't face social media, sexting, vaping, cyberbullying, all of these things that are very real realities for kids today. And the good news is, as parents and grandparents, we can use our old school wisdom with our kids' fresh world perspective, really, to build relationships that help promote resilience and improve mental health outcomes. And to address what you're talking about, you know, stigma and shame, that is something I address a lot. You know, when we have parents of toddlers, they frequently will talk about challenges they experience in parenting. They talk about potty training or getting a baby to sleep through the night. But challenges that teens face are very different, and parents find themselves in isolation. And really, we see stigma, which is just an unhealthy coping mechanism we use to deal with our fear that something bad is going to happen to us, and it's a form of social rejection. So I see parents who are relying on Google. I have to admit I'm guilty sometimes of getting your way through a parenting challenge. 81% of parents will do that, but only 16% will tell a trusted friend about a problem they're happening they're having. So something is wrong when we're too insecure to talk to a trusted friend about a challenge we're having, but secure enough in our Google answer to handle it. So I want parents to have a trusted source of information from a professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, and mom and behind closed doors. Now, Jessica, tell us about social media. How how to be a tech-savvy parent in an iGen world. It is possible. You know, parents often, myself included, we are not digital natives. But the truth is that teens have underdeveloped character to handle the overexposure of social media. And we see Gen Z, who is really connected online more than any other previous generation, but they feel disconnected. And as parents, we can't anticipate the threats that they're going to encounter on social media because we just don't know those threats exist. And the main thing that I want to tell parents is that it's a mistake It's a myth that teens don't want to talk to their parents or that they don't care what their parents have to say. That's actually not true, and research tells us that. They care very much about what we have to say. But the disconnect happens when we expect instant gratification from our teens. This is a world where we can get pretty much anything customized, and and you post something on social media and you get a positive feedback and that hit of dopamine that makes you feel good, we don't get that from our kids. It's not our purpose in life to validate our parenting choices. And relationships are difficult. So the analogy I give is sometimes we want to treat parenting our teens like growing a chia pet, right? We just put a little bit of investment in and then we have maximum outcome. But in reality, it's more like a pineapple, It takes an average of 24 months to grow that. And you may invest. You give them advice. You have a conversation with them. You teach them a life lesson, and you see absolutely nothing from that. And they don't even seem interested. But 24 months from now, you may see that seed start to grow, and that healthy relationship building starts to pay off. And that is a very gratifying moment for parents. My guest, and she's in Houston, Jessica We're talking about her book, Behind Closed Doors. Jessica, now I want you to get into the topic of cyberbullying, how to create a safe space in an unsafe world. 
sure. So cyberbullying is something, again, that we did not experience as parents. And if you start to look at the specific forms of electronic aggression, like trolling, flaming, outing, trickery, catfishing, I mean, those words are enough to confuse any parent and think, what even is that? And so I think that, again, you know, relationship building is something that's going to be very important. Some parents don't know that... uh, Actually, the Children's Online Privacy Act sets the age to use social media at 13. And that's one of the most common questions that I get in pediatric practices. When can my child be on social media? And I tell them it shouldn't even be a discussion until age 13. Because if you check that box that says you're 13 and you're not, you're violating the terms of use and you are avoiding any potential potential protections that are afforded to you. And the other thing we have to remember is that every kid is different. I have four teens. One of them probably could have handled a social media account at the age of four, and the other one, who will remain unnamed, might be 40. So we have to take teens at where they are developmentally. If you have a teen who is anxious, who's depressed, who doesn't have a clear sense of identity, who can't think abstractly through situations, social media is not going to help that. If you have a teen who is showing those signs of maturity, which I walk through very clearly in that chapter of Behind Closed Doors, then it might be a healthy thing. Social media in and of itself is not a bad thing, just like a car is not a bad thing, but you wouldn't toss the keys to a 12-year-old without adequate preparation. And so that's what I seek to do in Behind Closed Doors, help walk parents through those things. Jessica, it's now time to talk about suicide. Mm. How to find hope and peace in a broken world. That is a heavy topic that is breaking parent hearts everywhere, including my own. It is a very real reality and accurately reflective of what we're seeing in pediatric practice and in our communities today. And I see parents who are deeply concerned about this and teens who have a lot of questions. But when I ask both teens and parents if they're talking about it at home, the answer is usually no. A lot of parents are afraid to initiate conversation about things that maybe their kids have not been previously exposed to. But if you intentionally expose them in a way that's developmentally appropriate, You position yourself as the expert, and you open that door to come and talk to them. And, you know, in a radio segment like this, a topic like suicide is just really difficult to unpack. And these are issues that need to be addressed slowly and with compassion. But parents need to have communication skills for these conversations in a way that their teens can receive what they have to say. And that all goes back to an intentional journey of relationship building. So in this chapter of Behind Closed Doors, I give parents the tools. How do we talk about suicide? What do you do if your teen is experiencing suicidal thoughts or behaviors or if they have a friend? And I would just say here on the radio program, 988 is the new National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's just like 911, but it's for suicidal thoughts and behaviors. So 988 is a great number to put in your phone for in case of an emergency. But I do walk parents through how we can really think about the language that we use to communicate um, 
to communicate acceptance and healthy relationship building to prevent suicide. Jessica, tell us about vaping and how to recognize the health threat you never saw coming. Vaping is something that is taking the teen world by storm. Mm. Today's teens recognize that smoking is bad for your health. In fact, Gen Z is actually remarkably health conscious. Just the other day, I bought my teens one little junk food treat. I don't usually do that. And I was frankly kind of excited to come home and to give it to them. And my daughter told me, oh, mom, you bought me cancer in a cute package. Thanks so much. But they don't see vaping as unhealthy. Vaping, by its very nature, feels like it's just vapor, and that's water, right? And because it's marketed as a healthy alternative to smoking, especially for adults, then then we see teens who are engaging in, in vaping, and it's incredibly addictive and incredibly socially normative. These vaping devices look like key fobs, Uh, lipsticks, flash drives, and there's even fashion for vaping where you can buy hoodies that a vape can be concealed in the hoodie and you can vape through the, the drawstring of your hoodie. And the bottom line is that no substances are safe for developing teen brains. Their brain is not developed until 21 and they're highly susceptible to create pathways that are uh, that are repetitive, and, and as you inhale nicotine, your brain literally creates billions more nicotine receptors that crave a connection. If you stop, it'll eventually go away, but the, the key here for parents is uh, recognizing that risk and intervening early, which is what I help them to do in this chapter. Now, Jess, let's talk about substance abuse. How to accept truth with grace and courage. Substance abuse is something that is deeply personal to me. I've experienced that in my family, and I do share in this chapter about my brother's struggle with substance addiction and how we have misconceptions about what that is. A lot of parents, when we think about drug use, you you picture what you would consider to be a stereotypical junkie, um, somebody who is dirty or on the streets or buying drugs or injecting themselves with with, with uh, illicit street drugs. But the reality is that teens and, frankly, parents are using uh, prescription drugs and illicit drugs, and they are going to school with us. They are at church with us. They are in the community with us. Substance abuse is something that is very easy to hide and is shrouded in secrecy and stigma. And, and it doesn't happen overnight. That's the hope for parents. It starts as misusing substances and then proceeds to abusing them and then eventually becoming addicted. And not only in substances, we're seeing addiction to a lot of different things for teens, gaming, online activity, and, you know, other uh, self-harming can be a form of, of addictive behavior. And so we're talking about how do we intercept that early. So in this chapter, I give parents the tools for prevention because that's really the goal, what we want how to proceed with truth and with courage, because a lot of times that that does take a lot of courage for parents to confront teens who may be using substances, because there's just a lot of um, secrecy and denial that happens with that, and how can we wrap our arms around teens and help them on a journey to recovery? 
Jessica Peck is our guest. She's in Houston, Texas, pediatric nurse practitioner, talking about her book, Behind Closed Doors, A Guide to Help Parents and Teens Navigate Through Life's Toughest Issues. We're back with Jessica, and the topic when she comes back with us is divorce, how to find forgiveness and raise resilient kids. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Jessica Peck is with us from Houston, uh, talking about her book, Behind Closed Doors, and Jess, as we mentioned before the break, uh, the next topic is divorce. Divorce is something that impacts more than half of homes, uh, children's homes, and it is something that I think we all can relate to, whether or not we've experienced that. We all know someone who has experienced divorce. And this chapter focuses on how to raise resilient kids. There's a lot of research that really supports the seven C's of resilience, which is one of the things that I go through in that chapter, how we can give our kids courage and confidence and competence uh, to navigate through challenging issues. So whether it's divorce or any other type of challenge that a children face, then we'll talk about how to face resilience. All children are going to face stress, but we want to prevent that stress from becoming toxic stress, which means that they're just experiencing this physiological body stress response that doesn't have any protective factors. And if that happens, it actually changes the way our DNA is read and transcribed. So this chapter gives parents early interventions and practical tools to raise resilient teens. Jess, tell us about uh, what you mean when you write about social justice, Uh, how to talk to your teens about racism. I want to hear this. Okay. So, you know, of all the chapters I wrote in the book, this was the most contentious and uh, brought forth the most robust discussion in my parent focus group. And I think when we hear social justice, just even that term, it's so highly politicized, and it evokes deep emotions within us. And we tend to immediately take the conversation to a political place. But we cannot lecture our way into right relationship with our kids, and we can't leverage behavioral change by arguing um, and, and by telling our teens you know, exactly what we think. If you want to influence your teen's worldview, you have to view their world and meet them where they are in that relationship building. And the fact is that Gen Z does value social justice, and they don't view it in the same way that we may view it as adults. And it's really important to hear your teens where they are. And and what I do in this chapter is help parents to put aside all of the, um, the politicized discussion of race and social justice and to meet your kids where they are and to see the world where they are and to have a conversation with them uh, and to build that influence so that you can share your worldview and you can have discussion that doesn't end in, you know, arguments over Thanksgiving dinner where nobody wants to come back because nobody wants that. And so that's, that's really what we're doing is just facing 
Gen Z is the most diverse generation we've had. They're more likely to be interracial. And uh, so they're having conversation in a much more open way uh, than we have before. And I found it extremely enlightening and encouraging to talk to teens. And and I think that there's a lot of misperception in, in what their perception is. And so, uh, again, we have two ears and one mouth, and so we should listen twice as much as we talk and seek common ground, even if it's just a tiny one-inch square, and that is your starting place. Jessica Peck is with us, talking about her book, Behind Closed Doors. Uh, Next topic for you, Jessica, gender identity, how to respond with compassion and kindness. Well, out of the frying pan and into the fire, right? These are difficult topics to discuss uh, at home. And what I see is we're having a very loud and contentious national debate that often our teens perceive as a shouting match over gender identity. Um, Gen Z, about 11% of Gen Z identifies as gender nonconforming. And what that means is that most parents are not going to experience their teen coming out or disclosing another um, gender or sexual identity to them, but almost every teen will encounter someone who is experiencing that. And these are things that are not going to be fixed with uh, a national debate. These are things, these are very real families with very real needs that require a teen-based approach with um you know, it's a team around them for parents who are walking through this issue. That's going to include a healthcare provider, a counselor, a teacher, a coach, um, a pastor, or other spiritual leader. Um, all of those things are really, um, really important. And, you know, when your teens are facing these situations, uh, what I do in this chapter is help teens to, uh, to, to hold to their values. And we know that teens who share strong faith traditions and share values with their families, they have overall better health outcomes. They take less risks in behaviors, and they make less harmful health choices. And so we talk about how do we respond in those moments, how do we uh, reinforce our kids' worldview and help them to live that out with compassion and kindness for those who are around us. Jessica, now I want you to talk about eating disorders, how to find healing when food is your enemy. Yes. You know, of all the topics I talk about in the book, this one is least likely to scare parents. They are much, much more gravitate towards gender, race, uh, sexting, pornography, all of those kinds of things. But the actual truth is that eating disorders are the most deadly mental health disorder there is and the most threatening to physical life of any topic that we talk about in the book. And since the COVID pandemic, we have seen disordered eating behaviors skyrocketing among teens. When teens feel out of control and the world does feel out of control in a lot of ways these days, they do seek control and and eating choices and eating behaviors are a very easy thing to control. And so I talk to parents about how to recognize those things. A lot of times we just picture a stereotype of a very thin female who has anorexia, but that's not what eating disorders look like. Uh, They can look like a lot of different things and you can have 
abnormal weight or even overweight who have disordered eating behaviors that are harmful. So I want to tell parents that, you know, when I walk you through all of these issues, it is enough to make anyone's heart hurt. And that's why I've divided the book into three sections. Behind the clinic door, showing how does a kid who is sexting or having disordered eating, how do they present in my clinic? What is the the chain of events that happens so that we can look at early intervention? And and what do I tell them as a healthcare provider? And then behind the uh, home door, where I give them specific tools and settings they can listen, they can enact to have conversations with their kids. But the important thing is behind the heart door where I take care of the parent's heart and we start to look at our own selves to see where are places that we might need healing, that we might be unintentionally passing on hurt to our teen, but also encouraging prayers that that, uh, you can pray over your teen, uh, scriptures, playlists that will encourage you, and the opportunity to write legacy letters, which is a generational keepsake, one for each chapter that your teen will treasure for years to come. Uh, Jessica, uh, there's um, one area, uh, and we've got about a minute and a half, Mm -hmm. uh, pornography. Mm. Uh, what, uh, What can you tell us? Parents today, if they are not uh, engaging in uh, pornography, they really don't understand the reality of what pornography looks like today. We're talking about very violent, abusive, and pervasive images. Uh, Girls, boys, gender nonconforming persons, it can impact anyone. And it comes through emails. It comes through uh, friends showing something, you know, with a phone or other technology. It is just at our fingertips. And it impacts teens' developing brains the same way that substances do. And that's where we're talking about pornography addiction. And what we need to convey to our kids is that sex is not a secret thing, but it is a sacred thing. And we need to see kids outside the lens of just their sexual experience or identity and encourage them to build an identity that is holistic and that is healthy and um, that avoids a lot of these risk-taking behaviors like that. And that's what I really want to do in Behind Closed Doors is to renew hope for those healthy relationships with your teens and to change the way your DNA is read and and transcribed and invest in a generational legacy to lead with courage and empathy in helping your teen to grow up in today's world. Our guest has been Jessica Peck, author of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. Thomas Nelson is the publisher. Make sure you get a copy. Uh, We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, This is AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Jessica Peck, our guest in that first segment in uh, Houston, Texas, uh, talking about her book, Behind Closed Doors. Uh, James Levesque joins us from Madeira Beach, Florida. He's the founder and lead pastor of a network of engaging heaven churches across North America. Uh, He's got an interesting book out, Engaging Heaven Today for Women, 
365 daily devotions. James, first of all, welcome to Orlando, and uh, I'm glad you've got some time for us. How are you doing? Good, Pat. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Good to be with you. Why was it important for you to put this book together? You know, we uh, earlier in the year, we launched um, Engaging Heaven Today. It was just a regular devotional, you know. And uh, quickly, we went to number one on new releases on Amazon. And we realized that there was really, uh, it really hit a nerve, I think, because we're living in one of the most distracted days we've ever lived in, right? Paul said, um, if you're married, he, he pray you would live single. Not that you wouldn't lose the benefit of marriage, but he said that you would serve the Lord without distraction. And we live in a generation where we run to our cell phones before we pray in the morning, right? And I wanted to create, I grew up with Oswald Chambers, my utmost for highest, A.W. Tozer day by day. And I really wanted to write a devotional that could just draw people closer to God in the mornings. And it was such a great book that we launched one for women and, and specifically for uh, ladies. Well, let's uh, dive in and um, see what we can extract here. Uh, culture has plenty to say about a woman's value and what she should be doing with her life. But women were made for more than this world. I want you to expand on that, James. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is, I think there's a war on identity when it comes to women. You know, on one hand, they're either uh, told to sit in this little position. On the other one, they're told that they're men. You know what I mean? And there's such an imbalance of what an identity is for a real woman of God. And ultimately, we're child of God, right? We're children of the Most High. And I believe that, you know, years ago, you know, people didn't even want women to be ministers. And I remember, I think it was Reinhard Bonnke that said, if I'm drowning in, in the water, I'm not, I don't care who throws me the life raft, you know? And the truth is, women are mighty warriors for God. And I think today, especially the young women being, you know, grown up on this, on this earth, it's difficult, right? Um, you're, you're fought with what your image should be. You're fought with what society says you should act like or look like. Or, and, and I think sometimes, you know, that can be overwhelming. I had a, a friend of mine that um, was a Christian, but they were also a licensed therapist. And they said to me, you know, I never really signed up to just be a therapist to younger people, like millennials and Generation X, Z, I mean. And, and they said the number one thing that people struggle with today is perception versus reality. There's an online world you see, which is everybody's best photo. It's usually doctored. It's not really how they look or live. And then you've got to compare that with your personal life. And I believe identity releases destiny. And if we find out what God says about us, which I wrote all throughout this devotion, and we know what the Father says our identity is, I believe destiny will be released through that. I want you to dive into this topic for us, James. Um, and here it is. Um, you urge women to pursue biblical truth and world-changing action. I want you to expand on that. Sure. We have... Um, you know, uh, again, we're in a society that brings a lot of awareness to whatever. It could be sickness, right? We could march for people that are sick, or we could want to... We're very much geared towards raising awareness for whatever that injustice is, but the reality is we have to bring actual change. 
And so I don't want any of us, women or men, to get an idea of something that would be, you know, breakthrough, but actually give our lives for it. Um, How does that look? Practical, right? And when we give our lives for actual change, man, we we can make a big difference in this world. That can come as easy as loving your neighbor, right, feeding the poor, uh, going on a missions trip, um, you know, sharing your faith with a coworker. These are tangible things that we can do to really change this world. You know, a lot of times we think that this world will be changed by maybe a mighty woman of God or a mighty man of God, or maybe, you know, we just need Congress to make, you know, somehow if only legislation changes, it's going to bring about some spiritual awakening. Uh, it has everything to do with our obedience to his word. And, um, you know, uh, Charles Finney wrote one time, revival is just a renewed obedience back to the word of God. When we, when we do what Jesus said we can do, and we obey his word, and we love like he does, I believe that's real practical ways that we can see change in this earth. James, um, different topics, different subjects keep coming up in your book, um, including this one, careers. Uh, can you give us some of the highlights on, on that topic of careers and what you're telling women? Yeah, I think um, you have, every person has um, a calling from God. And a lot of people are so busy making a living that they fail to make a life. Again, back to identity. When we understand who we are as a woman of God, as a daughter of the King, man, that's our identity first. And then a lot of people confuse what they do for a living on what their calling is on this earth. The reality is, as a daughter of the King, um, you know we are we are called on this earth to do what Jesus did: seek and save that which is lost, bring reconciliation to people, be healing to the brokenhearted, you know, be a witness everywhere we go. Let the light of God shine. And sometimes our role, you know, and I feel this is typically true for moms in general, We, it's easy to define your life by season, right? Oh, well, I just got married. That's a season. Um, I'm pregnant. The season will end. Well, I'm just raising my kids. It's a season. My kids are in college. It's a season. When we define our lives by seasons alone, we're not able to have the abundant life that God called us for, because although women are mighty and they're powerful and they lead and guide and serve and, and really, really are the caretakers of the home and, and the ones leading, the truth is that our identity isn't what we do, it's who we are. And I, I have been pastoring for over 25 years, and I've seen many ladies and daughters and moms and grandmothers lose themselves. They've lost who they are. Because, you know, they spent all of their life doing something. And so when we understand who we are, it really puts that word career into proper context. Now, uh, another topic that you uh, spend time on in your book is simply uh, the topic of relationships, James. Uh, Tell us more about what you're writing there. Yeah, I think relationships is... Uh, just a, a huge issue, like a huge desire on God's heart right now for us. We have many relationships. There's many roles that a woman has in life, right? Mom, wife, daughter, you know, all those things. And the reality is every relationship really has to be 
born of the Spirit. I mean, we, you know, the Bible says we got to know one another by our love. As Jesus said, we would be known, and we got to know one another by the Spirit. So um, when it comes to having the relationships in our lives, you know, we have to make sure that these are edifying relationships, that we're not just surrounding ourselves uh, by people that would pull us down. I do years ago, some girls would be dating in the church, and I would say, hey, is he a Christian? In the early days, they would say, oh, yeah, he, he believes in Jesus, you know. But then as I watched a few relationships come and go over the years, I realized that I, I would say things like, well, we're not that kind of Christian. Meaning, you know, we need to make sure that our relationships, that, you know, women have to find their worth and believe that they're they're preserving themselves for the right godly man, and they're not just settling for somebody that doesn't fear the Lord. And relationships are huge. Who we marry, uh, the ones that we allow in our lives, in our homes, the ones that we allow to speak into our lives. You know, God really wants to bless and govern the relationships in our lives. And uh, and I think that, you know, if, if it's not guarded, it can definitely be a foothold to the enemy, right? And, and when the wrong relationships, the Bible says, um, bad morals corrupt good company. And it's important who we're spending our time with, um, you know, as it feeds into our overall spiritual health. James Levesque is with us from Madeira Beach, Florida. The book, Engaging Heaven Today for Women, 365 Daily Devotions. And and one of the other topics, James, that you spend time on with these devotions is simply social media. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, social media has been interesting because in one sense, it is, such a blessing, right? We can touch base with our families. We can reach out to people quickly. Uh, we might be able to connect with someone in, in ways that we haven't been able to have access before. You know, but there's a real dark side of it, right? Where it, it almost pulls us away from um, our relationship with the Lord. Um, like I said, a lot of people, they look at social media and they're, they're comparing, right? You have these moms that are comparing their their mom life with someone else you know i have some amazing friends that are women of god that are leading in different areas that are online influencers these people have lots of followings but they're also quick to share that this isn't necessarily the normal life the perfect mom isn't a pinterest mom it's not you know the perfect house all the time and and everything just seems like you know miss cleaver that's not life and so we need to make sure that social media is staying in its proper place of being a blessing, because if we're not careful, the pressures of social media will start to like, like wear at our self confidence and our self worth, and you know then we find ourselves down that identity path. And so, you know, comparison is the killer to all joy. Comparing ourselves always, we're not able to live the life God's called us to live. Look online, you. You can't compare somebody's highlight reel to your behind the scenes. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. So I really believe that that as we uh, put social media in its proper place and use it for a healthy side of connecting, then we're not, we're not you know, falling victim to this comparison killer and stealing our joy. And then another topic that you uh, spend time in with your um, daily devotions is called boundaries. We hear that word a lot, James. What does it mean? 
your boundaries are really essential to live the life that God's called us to live. Um, in, in one aspect, we need to set boundaries on our personal time with the Lord. The reality is, as, 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 a, as a woman or a man, you have a lot of responsibilities, a lot of roles that you wear, but, but we have to be worshipers at our heart, right? The Bible says that God is looking. He wasn't looking for worship. He was looking for worshipers. And we have to guard that time. And sometimes saying no to something means saying yes to something else. When you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Um, and so I think boundaries are so incredible. And I think it's important in our, in our life, in our, in our relationship with our family, right? As, as having children. I have a, a nine-year-old, um, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. I guard that time with my children. It's precious. And if I don't set boundaries to protect my time with my children, something else is going to steal that time. And so, you know, life is really in the boundaries, right? And, and we look at boundaries and we think a negative thing. Like, oh, what, I mean, what I can't do. Oh, this fence is here. No, boundaries are healthy. Boundaries are allowing us to be free in the confines of how God's established it, right? Um, you know, think about boundaries between the, the amazing boundaries setting marriage, right? There's some beautiful things. When you do those things outside of those boundaries, it, destruction comes upon you. And so I believe that boundaries are just essential to, you know, setting uh, the, the fences of our lives to protect what matters most to us. My guest <clears throat> from Madeira Beach, Florida, is James Levesque. We're talking about his book, Engaging Heaven Today for Women, 365 Daily Devotions. And speaking of daily devotions, my latest book is out. It's um, Every Day is Game Day. That's the name of it. And it's 365 daily devotions, all with a sports theme, uh, a sports story uh, that leads into the devotional part each day. So while you're ordering uh, James Levesque's new book, Engaging Heaven Today for Women, uh, go to Amazon, pick up a copy of Every Day is Game Day. I think you'll be pleased uh, with both products. Well, folks, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. And we have another segment with James Levesque. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. James Levesque is our guest. We're talking about his book, Engaging Heaven Today for Women. Um, you, uh, you get into this one, James. I find it interesting about grounding your identity as a secure daughter of God. Uh, what does that mean, and, and how do you go about it? Yeah, I think... Um, I think the Word of God is so essential today. You know, a lot of people try to maybe say the Word isn't as relevant for today in these things, but it's not true. The Word of God is inspired by God. It is, there's life in the Word. And when we go to the Word, it tells us everything we need for our identity, who we are, how to live, you know, culture. There's a, there's a, there's a, an unhealthy, toxic Christianity culture that takes the Word of God and just kind of bends it around their unbelief. So whatever I can get away with, whatever my flesh wants, we almost make things up in the Word that aren't there. 
but it's not what it's meant to be. The Bible says Jesus is the plumb line. When we read the Word of God, we find our joy, our identity, our, uh, you know, our life in what He said about us. And so, you know, uh, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. How do we know that love? We know that love by the Word. And, and when I think of, you know, who God's told us to be, um, I, w- I was in the car the other day, and my son is only nine, and he said, well, Dad, other kids at Kids Church are speaking up, and one day I'd like to speak up. He said, but every time I do, I don't speak as good as you, Dad. <laughs> and, and, and I asked him, I asked him for his, his shoe size, and I was like a seven for kids, and I wear an 11 men's, and I said, is that your foot, or is a new foot coming one day? And he said, no, that's my foot. Is that actually what your big toe's going to look like one day? He said, yeah, but, but only a little smaller than what it will be. I said, that's exactly right. We grow in maturity in the things of God. Your foot is still a foot. My foot ain't better than yours. Yours is just not fully developed. And one day, your foot will be fully developed. And, you know, when it comes to the, the, our identity, we're growing into the identity. It doesn't mean we're not good enough. It doesn't mean that we can't. It just means one day we will. And when we read the Bible, we see these promises of what God says we can have and what we can do and who we are. And I believe our identity is found in that. Next topic I want you to get into along these uh, fronts. Uh, you talk a lot about uh, self-evaluation and renewal. Uh, how do you go about it? And, and maybe even more important, what's all that mean? Yeah, you know, I, I really believe that, like, like our, our, God's desire for us is that our, our life is renewed, our minds are renewed. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12, um, don't be conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, a, a mind that's not renewed, renewed in God's Word, it is always going to be at war with God, right? And how does transformation happen? It happens through renewed minds. It happens through our lives being renewed by His Word and our life being renewed by His presence. And so I believe that as a, as a Christian, you know, there, there is no neutral button, right? We're either moving forward or we're in reverse. And, and you know, and I believe that God is, there's something about that the word faith. In the Bible, every time it says faith, it actually means ever-increasing faith. It is a, it is a, it is a faith that is like that is always wanting to grow. It's like a muscle, right? When you when you work out, uh, you know, if I'm not in the gym for a while, oh man, it hurts, right? If, if I'm in the gym, no lie, there's times I could, if I'm doing a, a dumbbell curl, I might be able to grab up 30 or 35 pounds to start, you know, and it'll it'll be great. And then I, if you're out of the gym for a while, I got to start at 10. I got to work my way up. Faith is a muscle like that. And, and it's something that as we work it and use it, it begins to grow. And so that's what I believe a constant renewal means. And then here's another topic I want you to get into, and that is uh, following God daily. And I underline daily. Uh, what's your advice? Yeah, I believe that, you know, God, God cares about our life. If, if God knows every hair on our head, the Lord, uh, the Lord wants to know about every other detail in our everyday life. And so I believe that every day, man, we need to walk with God in, in everything we do. 
And that means, you know, a lot of people, they kind of look at Jesus as like a box you check on a form, right? I have an accountant, I have a Jesus, I have a, a race, an ethnicity. No, Jesus is our world. And we need to see ourselves not just on a Sunday morning with Jesus, but we take him every day and everywhere we go. We bring him on our jobs. We bring him in our schools. We bring him, you know, in our home when we're, when we're cooking dinner. And, and I really believe that God really cares about being active and engaged in every detail, every single day of our life. And that really looks like walking it out. And one of the reasons that I wrote the devotional is because I believe that every day God wants us to engage heaven. What does that mean? It's the kingdom of God, right? As it is in heaven. That's our prayer. And so every day, you know, I'm a different person if I don't wake up in the Word, um, you know, than when I'm not. And and that's all of us, right? And so I believe that, that God wants us to wake up, engage heaven, lock in His Word, get a thought every single day. Right, and then go out about our debt, walking it out, walking out the the life of Christ that God's called us to live. What do you want, ladies, to take from your devotional book? I want to see uh, their relationship fueled. I want to see a fire in their hearts. I want to see um, women that are busy with lots of responsibilities because they're heroes have time every day to be strengthened in the Lord, because we can't be a great dad, mom, sister, brother, daughter, grandmother. We can't be those roles, pastor, author. You can't do those things unless we stay connected to the source, right? And so my my desire is that as we do this every day, you know, we feel a difference. We feel God differently. We sense God, maybe in areas and conversations we didn't. We, we welcome the Lord in, even when we're disciplining our kids, when we're teaching our kids, when we're, you know, going on road trips or traveling to the store. Like, I just believe that that putting that on, I mean, it's like putting on the armor of God every day, that our day is different because of it. And I really believe that God is going to ignite a fire in the hearts of radical women through this book. In closing, I, I, I have to ask you, James, about your thoughts about heaven. What do you think about when you think of heaven? You know, when, when I think about heaven, I think about a place that we are preparing to go, right? I think about a place that that God is has a stage He's preparing for His children. But I also think of a place that, that we can tap into on a daily basis, right? I think that heaven is is his, his presence around us. It's his peace in our heart, right? You know, we're, when people think of heaven, they're so focused on heaven one day, and that is a focus. My goodness, I am so grateful that one day we're going to be with him in glory. And I, I really believe Jesus is coming again. But I also believe we can experience that now. I believe that we can have a peace on this earth that surpasses understanding, that we can have a wisdom that's beyond our years, that we can have a comfort. You know, the Bible says, God is the God of all comfort. If he's the God of all comfort, that means there's none left for anybody else. And so I'm so grateful for heaven, not only one day, because that's important. He is for, Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for us, and I'm so thankful that there will be streets of gold, and every tear will be wiped, and, and we're going to have eternal blessing with Jesus. I mean, what an incredible day that will be. But I also believe that we cannot be robbed of having a piece of that 
on Earth, too. My guest, James Levesque. James, I can't thank you enough. It's so wonderful to talk to you. And uh, congratulations on your book, Engaging Heaven Today for Women, 365 Daily Devotions. Uh, Folks, we're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando, and you can be a big help. There's a website. Uh, Go up to OrlandoDreamers.com, OrlandoDreamers.com, and just check in. Let us hear from you. What are your thoughts? Think it's a good idea? Would you like to be part of it? Season tickets, perhaps, if this all happens? You get the drift. Uh, OrlandoDreamers.com is the website. Well, folks, we have a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, It's AM 990, FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In that first segment, uh, Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, author of Behind Closed Doors. She was our guest. And then we went to Madeira Beach, Florida. Uh, James Levesque was our guest. And uh, we got to talk about uh, engaging heaven today for women, 365 daily devotions. Well, we've been doing the Saturday Power Hour for many years, and we're always so pleased when you join us. We get to talk with a wide variety of interesting guests, uh, many of them authors, and uh, they uh, share their great passion, their great enthusiasm for their topic, and and we all benefit from it. Have a wonderful week ahead. We'll see you next weekend right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay tuned to AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 